Hi, I'm Natalia, and you're listening to Advanced Copy, a podcast for independent thinkers in fashion. Baba is a family-owned knitwear brand, but more accurately, it's a network of relationships between multiple families, each one a master of their craft. From organic cotton farmers in the south of Spain, the shepherds and yarn spinners in the north, and the multi-generational family factory in Barcelona, to the brand's hub in Madrid, Baba's founder, Marta Bajilo, is a champion of the Spanish knitwear industry. The brand's international collaborations and community events are equally as intimate. It's a chance to experiment and co-create. We speak with Marta about her unique value system, decision to stay focused on direct-to-consumer and supporting ecological innovation. Enjoy. Hi, Marta. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Baba is founded on a singular commitment to local production, from sourcing wool from shepherds in the north of Spain to the final knitting and assembly, which takes place in Barcelona. On top of this, you are also collaborating on innovative experiments with dyeing wool ecologically to help eliminate toxic waste. You're persistent in establishing personal, lifelong relationships at absolutely all parts of the garment-making process, which create many meaningful stories and adventures in the making of your business. I see Baba as a web of families connected by their shared desire to develop positive change in individual and also collective lines of expertise. But how would you define the brand? Well, the first thing that comes to my head is honest life. Baba is a network brand, but it's more than that, you know? When I say honest life, it's like it's life, it's, and it's based on real, like, roots, you know? Starting with the honesty of the quality of it and uh, how we produce it. I was at the factory on, on Friday, and the way we work together, that's a lifestyle, and it's through honesty from the beginning to end. It's a knitwear brand that is about living with that honesty. Mm, That's a really beautiful way to summarize it. And I think a very philosophical way of looking at working in the fashion or textile industry, whichever category you want to associate with, I think both are now full of marketing words. When you put it through marketing, then it's more like a straight line. When you do it with this uh, this thing I call honesty life, it's not such a straight line, you know? And I like it. I like that. Uh, it's a challenge, but I like it. 100%. And I'd like to set a kind of foundation for our listeners. So could you tell us about the current structure of Baba through the people that you work with in your Madrid studio? the roles and departments that are in the brand right now and the immediate external collaborators. How does that core of the business look like? It's very simple. 
as well for this honesty is very simple uh, structure. And I like to keep it that way because there's a lot to look after, right? And there's a particular way of working. So I can't carry a lot. It has to keep simple. When I sometimes feel like I'm carrying a lot, I have to do clearance of structures. So in the office, mainly it's still me and Sam, my husband, who does the more like operations. And we have an accountant, Carolina, that comes from time to time. Uh, she works a lot from home. So that would be mainly who's in the office constantly. I work a lot from home as well, but we have our meetings there. Mostly because I had a baby. So I've been doing that the last few months. Then we have a very important team that is the stylist and her assistant. And I work a lot with them because that's how we organize all our photo shoots and imagery. And uh, it's the most uh, direct department with design. And then we have a department in with four women near the factory. They help with the, all the logistics between the factories. And they are the ones who are in charge of shipping all the orders as well. So they be managing what comes in and what goes out. And then we have a small team in Ireland where my husband is from and I lived there many years. That's my business partner who organizes all the website for us. And we have a customer care person based there. I'm thinking now about a very important part of the business that I didn't talk to you about. Like now it's um, Caitlin, our PR in New York. In general, even with the factories and who we work with, I want to do something and I see how I can do it. And then what I've learned throughout the years that it can only happen and be sustained in time if it suits my ideals, let's just say, of the company. I think we're living at a time when we do need to explore new ways and new systems in the fashion industry. And you're a very good example of that, of ensuring that whatever decisions you're making, that they actually fit the particular vision and standards that you've set for Baba has to fit in that and also maybe it doesn't look like total success you know but to me success is slowly doing things as we want to be doing them you know so maybe it's not so flashy let's say or or, or so well uh, apparent um, to me the success is just the slowly going in our own direction and not getting out of that just for anything Yes, absolutely. I think the idea of success in our industry, but also in many other industries, is just so set on either, let's say, financial success or the amount of distribution, which feels completely misaligned with the global ecological goals of today. But then you have to make up loads of slogans and give a lot of explanations to perhaps make it look like something that is not. And that's something I'm very proud of, Baba, that what, it, what you see is what it is. And sometimes people think that there must be more to it or there must be like, but there's not. <laughs> you know, when you were talking about business structures, I'm lucky to work with these partners that they understand the brand and they want to work in a particular way. The manufacturers, you know, all throughout my business uh, 10 years that we've been going on like I've always been told like you can't just have one manufacturer you have to have more and I've never wanted that I work really well with these people 
they're like family. Like we, it's really hard. You have to go through the good times and the bad times, like in a marriage. And also, how much are you going to produce? You know, what you produce, you have to sell it. I mean, I don't know how other brands do it, but I kind of nearly don't want to know because I know that if you produce too much if, and I don't sell it, I'm going to have it then. And what do you do with that? I don't even want to know, you know, what other brands do with that. I know what I have to do for my business and I don't want slogans, you know, I just want to do it. Yes. And as you said, it's going back to that honesty and not having to make up catchy phrases and that kind of authenticity is so human and so relative to how you run the company as a family at the end of the day. You've touched upon not wanting to have too much stock. And of course, what is quite special about Baba is that from the very beginning, you've stuck to doing direct to consumer. I think when you started the brand 10 years ago, it wasn't such an obvious strategy. So do you mind talking me through how you started selling and distributing the brand? That was another decision. When I started, it was uh, just children, like needs for children. The first year, I had it very clear that I didn't want to sell in shops. I didn't want to do retail, but it was more a thing of like a personal thing. I'm better at going to an event and selling to a final person. I didn't see myself going to fairs and looking for that middle business, you know? I wasn't very into the idea of going to first. I went to see one and I, I realized that actually I'm not good at that. I, I couldn't feel that idea of, of waiting for people to come. I felt like I could produce less perhaps and invent ways in how to sell. And I have more power of action that way than going to a place and waiting for someone to come and tell me that then to buy it. I just feel like with the direct consumer, I could be more inventive that perhaps it was slower, but I would have a little bit more control over the production. And that's all I wanted from the beginning because I couldn't work the way I work with the factory if I have to serve to retail. I guess you felt very specific power dynamic of selling collections at trade fairs because it can definitely make you feel like you're just standing there kind of asking for business and asking for money in a way. And I think it can diminish the value of your work and your sense of worth sometimes. You know, you have to be in certain terms. And I didn't even know if I could be in those terms, you know, because of the way I manufacture. Of course, things change throughout the years, but like my basic things of like the quality and the materials, all that, that's not going to change. It's never going to get cheaper. The opposite. So it's very hard to work in retail, like to please the retail in like that, you know, you would have to compromise and I didn't want to compromise. Maybe then I would have to look for more factories, maybe. And this way I, I just bring it in a rhythm that I can sustain all those things, you know. And has your opinion about retail changed throughout the years? I'm sure you must have been approached by some really beautiful multi-brand boutiques and stores and maybe online retailers as well? You know, every now and then I'm like, oh, I wish, you know, we could do this, we could do that. And I do collaborations for certain shops and from time to time, but uh, not retail per se. And I know that you're going to be kicking off more events and getting back on the road with your family soon to meet your community and your collaborators, which you haven't had the opportunity to do for the last couple of years. 
What approach do you take with these events and road trips? They seem very personal with this real sense of adventure. The way I like about these events is that you never know what's going to happen. And it's not really like super planned, you know, it's just connecting with people that you like, I don't do this like in the best part in the city and we're going to work out how, no, I just, some people connect and it feels like a really natural connection. And then you might say, Hey, yes, let's do it. And in general, when we do this, it always works, you know, it's again, that open window that you don't know what's going to happen. So you just have to go very just open hearted <laughs> and it always works. So the, in this case, there was a bakery that they also sell wine in Amsterdam and they approached us at the beginning of the summer. And I was a little bit wary of getting back on the road because I had a baby in April and post-pandemic and post-pregnancy a little bit inwards. And I didn't know if I was ready to get outwards, but uh, it looks that I am. <laughs> so I said yes to them. Uh, at the same time, like we had done many events in this other bakery in Violet in London. And I was really looking forward to going back there with Claire because she names all our colors And we used to go to the UK loads and then also Brexit happened. I just feel like I needed to reconnect that all these things have been happening in the world and even in my life. But I need to just feel like we can still be out and, and meet everyone, you know, because that's been very special for me. That really has kept me going and the brand in a particular way and very rooted. I always feel like it was always like a circle that gets completed because then you meet the customers and it all makes sense. I don't know. You give a lot and, and then you take a lot from, from these personal meetings. You know, I really like them. So I just put it all together and decided we'll go on a train trip with my family because I didn't want to fly more or anything. So we leave Madrid, Madrid, Paris, Amsterdam. And then from Amsterdam, we're going to a flower shop in Antwerp, beautiful flower shop. And then from there, we'll go get the train to London and go to Violet and meet Claire and do nice things with her. That sounds amazing. And I'll say on this point that the Claire you're referring to is Claire Ptak, who owns Violet Bakery in London, which is this very special place. I think she's also someone that has just built such a unique and respected business of her own. You actually did another interview with Claire on her Violet Bakery podcast, which I'll link up in our episode notes here, because I think it's so, so beautiful. And in it, you talk about the background story of how you started Baba. And that conversation actually really inspired me to reach out and talk to you. I really like Claire, like how is she not going to do things in a special way? Like imagine a bakery in Hackney where to go to the toilet, you go through the kitchen, but it's just so beautifully put together. Like you wouldn't think of even doing anything there. You know what I mean? Like something so complicated in just even the structure of it that looked just so special and basically had such an energy, like just being there, you know, in such a small space and it's just so particular and beautiful. I think that that says a lot about how she does things, I have to say. The example of Violet Bakery that you just gave, that idea of making something beautiful in these kind of cracks between restrictions is something that I think connects a lot of our guests on this podcast. 
I feel like we're very used to looking at Instagram and magazines where everything is so perfect and polished and styled with perfect people and everything seems to be so easy. And of course, you just need capital. But then you have the opposite examples of these amazing, authentic businesses that have created something completely different with a different memorable and long-standing signature of their own. Businesses which maybe don't feel like one in a million of other clones on Instagram because they actually came from a place of a lot of limitations, which had to be kind of worked around and couldn't have been solved in a straightforward manner. Yes, absolutely. And I think limitations are good when you can go around them and you find just unique things around them. Yeah, I like that about uh, how Claire does things a lot and uh, her energy, obviously. The first event we did, like we put a poster together that looked beautiful, but we did it just ourselves. And I, I like that thing, you know, because you put a lot of heart into something and then you cre- you create something that then is long lasting, even just in the relationship, you know. I like doing things that way. Yeah, definitely. And it goes hand in hand with everything else that you do and the partnerships that you have throughout the company, I think. So I also thought it would be interesting to turn things upside down a little and for us to start this conversation with this deep dive into your story from more of a branding angle first, because I feel like ethical and sustainable brands can often get credited only for their sustainable values, while the other aspects and achievements kind of just get a little bit sidetracked or overlooked. But of course, the garment making process is the foundation of your brand. And I'd absolutely love to discuss how your work with Barba has helped to reinvigorate production and manufacturing of wool and cotton in Spain. It is very important to do this. And and again, it's about the honesty of it. I've seen so many things, you know, like you you start by, oh, local and you have your logo, but then you start looking at the numbers and then you end up going to other countries to produce, right? So you've started a relationship with a factory that has made an effort to do your samples, your, to get your ideas. to, And then when, when that keeps going, then you look at your numbers and you go somewhere else to produce. I've seen that again and again and again in the factory. To me, it's like, this is what it is. If you want to do it, Of course, it's going to be good and bad, but it can't be based just in numbers. If you do it, it, that's how you sustain the industry because you are committed to doing something long-term. It's not just for a logo. Local production is so expensive and that's just the way it is. But it's expensive because you're working with people and around people that are getting good salaries. But even just within the factory, you know, like there's nearly 30 people there. These people live in Spain and they get paid and they have their holiday and uh, and what's what's sustainability otherwise it's sustaining that no i don't like talking about it i think it's something so obvious and uh, if you're going to get a t-shirt that costs 2 euro you know that there's something going on i don't think we have to talk about it it's just like if you want to be blind to it or not that's it then people talk about prices of the clothing and if this is expensive or not I don't get into that talk because again it's about the honesty if we're honest to ourselves we know 
And since starting Baba, do you feel more optimistic about the changes that are happening in the attitude of the customers, the producers and the brands? How do you feel about where the industry is going? I really have mixed feelings about it. I was feeling very positive about it because I felt like a lot of industry was coming back. Then in the depths of it, people are not willing to give up on certain things. I think like there's still a lot of talk about the costs and I think the customers are still very focused on that, you know. Of course, it's going to cost more if you do it locally or, you know, well thought, let's just say. But I think there's still a lot of looking at the numbers. So then the numbers are never going to be excellent. But there's ways to do it. There's ways around it. I have a business and there's a lot of people that live of it and that's success, no? That's the best way to describe it. Yeah, absolutely. I think the idea and people want to do it, but then when it comes to the reality, you need to accept that there's a lot of things that you have to give up. And one of them is like huge profits. <laughs> okay. And that's why people go and, and produce in other countries. You know, I won't say, but, you know, they go to produce in other countries because it's cheaper and the manufacture is cheaper and, and they do it for profit, and uh, which is fine. It's okay. I see it at the factory, you know. If you come and you want to do it and you want to do it right, there's a family before, behind that factory that also has a right. And so many families that work for them, you know, that also have their rights. So you need to think of that. It's a very good point because there is a lot to say about battling the ego in the industry. Um, what do you prioritize? Because we've been told, at least in our generation, it's all about growth and expansion measured in revenue and distribution. And of course, you need to have, just as you said, a financially sustainable business. But then there's that point of quality decision making where it's between you as a brand owner, your office staff and retailers having a considerably better lifestyle, thanks to the low paid wages received by the rest of your brand's most likely outsourced supply chain, right? But in fact, as we keep presenting on this podcast, you can actually make decisions differently, which would put you on a more difficult path, but would also bring something completely new to the table in terms of equality, ethics, and supporting local industries. There's space for everything, you know what I mean? There's space for making more money as, as the owner, there's space for the factory doing better. You just have to have everything in the equation. Like the factory has to produce because otherwise they're not going to be able to sustain the structures. So it's all the time inventing, inventing, inventing. It's a lot of energy. Maybe now this is not working, so we have to invent something else. That's why I couldn't work with three factories you know one is already like a lot you know you have to be um, active constantly to sustain all those things it's not easy but I just find it like that's the way I like working I'm not saying that it's perfect by all means but that's the way I like it you work very closely with the team at the factory in Barcelona and the relationships there have been pivotal to growing and developing Baba through actually sharing resources and knowledge. And this is the way to work. I mean, if you are looking at numbers, then you can't do it. But then you get other things that when there's problems, when we couldn't ship because everything was closed in Spain, we could still ship, you know, because it was all family-owned companies. You know, in pandemic, I really saw 
that is for real. This that we're doing is very intertwined family businesses that we can all keep going because we are supporting each other. And to me, that's very important. The, the actual number in the actual sale, in the actual profit is just not that important. This is more long-term. I think the numbers will be better because you do it this way, because we are helping each other. It's not that easy because the relationships, like we're humans and it's two different business with two different interests. But when you think about it long-term, you can get to these relationships where one company is actually important to the other and it goes in both directions. And listening to you talk about your production and logistics systems, it feels like such a luxury to think that as a brand owner, you can jump on the train or in your car and everything from the yarn to the factory is actually reachable this way. You can oversee it every day. And because of this relationship as well, you can see it very very clear but it's the same with the guys who die like it's a very very close relationship we talk all the time with the lab there's two women in the lab that we talk to all the time what about this color what about this process what about this they're always inventing things like now we're working really hard on always in making progress and we're always trying to do better but we it depends on the technology as well and working this close and trying for better is not These factors are not looking at the numbers either, you know. I think there was a pivotal moment when you began experimenting with colors in a different way, um, specifically in cotton. Could you tell us about these developments and ecological dyes? I think that's a really promising development for the whole industry. It is. First of all, like I just love color. Those five colors that come in naturally in the world, they come from mixing the two colors of the sheep fleece, brown and really dark brown and the off-white. How we dye the wool will be in the traditional way and it's not as sustainable. The cotton, we can do it using ozone and nanotechnology. And in doing it that way, it means that you're using way less water, 60% less, and we're all the time using less and less. Also, that there's no toxic waste and that there's no need to do any bleaching. We're also very dependent on the machinery that comes out, like the new technologies on this, like you make more improvements. But this is constant work happening. So by doing it this way, we can also develop a lot of colors and do very small batches of, you know, trying colors and developing new things, you know. So for me, it's, very, it's a very sustainable way of working. The waste that could be even like the color of the water, that's totally cleaned by the ozone. So there's no toxic waste whatsoever, not even visual. So it's a really just good way of working to do color, let's just say. The good thing about this is also that all the things that will be forbidden in very few years, we're already not using them. We're benefiting from these partners that they're doing already investigations in how even just for, for sustaining their work, they know that they can't work with this long term. So they are investigating now how to not work with them. And we're straight away working with that. So again, it's way more expensive to kind of do it this way. But, but you know, at the end for them or for us, we're developing something that is good. So it's, it's worth it, you know? Yes. And the role of innovation is to go to that root of a problem, question and improve manufacturing processes and the raw material processes where so much of the problems come from. 
where so many people are actually forced to pay for garment production with their health and the health of their land. But on a personal note, you've mentioned being a mother and working with your husband and also traveling for work with your kids everywhere. So Baba being very much a family business, reflecting on these 10 years in the fashion industry throughout the ups and downs, what do you think you've learned about yourself as a business owner? I've learned to trust myself, really. And that's very recent. I always felt like the way I did things was just crazy and other people would know better, which is true for, for, for nearly everything, but perhaps for running my own business, maybe I know better. Even this, you know, the family involved and that perhaps that, that was not uh, right, but I've learned throughout the years that that's the way we do it. And yes, it's right. That's the way it works for this particular business. So I've learned to trust myself and that's a lot. And how do you instill that trust? I think a lot of trust in yourself is that you have to make a lot of decisions and sometimes like a lot of hard decisions and other times like you have to take risks. And perhaps the trust in oneself is um, sometimes it's easier to give the responsibility to someone else. And now I've learned to take it and to trust that what my gut says like might be, you know, the right direction. Because if I'm still here 10 years later, with Baba, maybe it's not that bad what we've done, you know? And that goes along like throughout my family, throughout the factory, throughout all these things of life, you know? We've been doing this thing in this particular way for a while and we're, we're here. So it's good, you know, I can trust it. It's helped me a lot to be more connected with myself. And I think it sounds very easy to say, I promise uh, I don't find it easy. But I really, really try. And, I, and, and this trust in myself has been a, a new thing. And I'm, I'm happy about it. Yes, 100%. That's one of the biggest things in life now, outside of who you are and what you do. That's a personal life journey more than anything else, like a human experience rather than, you know, a business experience. Yes, yes. Marta, thank you so much for this beautiful reflection on Baba. I'm just very thankful that you have such interest. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Advanced Copy. We believe in sharing practical information to help create a healthy world of independent fashion. Subscribe and follow us on Instagram to find more pragmatic stories of how to get there. See you next time.